Hi, and welcome to the first ever podcast broadcast for Soccer Noobs Tend to Track Weekly World Match Previews. What exactly are we getting into? There's a million soccer podcasts out there that can give you all kinds of information on Premier League and MLS or any other league or maybe a couple of leagues you want. Well, the title is no accident. We're going to be covering 10 Eh, or so matches, and they could be from anywhere in the world. I'm going to be typically focused on uh, domestic league number one versus number twos in any given nation's uh, premier or top league. Uh, Tournaments of all sorts. No stone is going to go unturned. Are they the best matches, the most interesting matches, the shiniest matches? I've explored any number of terms for this, and even the show's title is a work in progress. I can tell you only that they are matches from any and everywhere that caught my eye. Lots of interesting stuff. So let's start by getting in um, a little bit about me and what this is. Uh, Again, I am Noob, and I am the sole writer, creator of SoccerNoob.com. I can be uh, found through various contacts there. I'm also at Twitter at AmericanSoccerNoob. I hope that you'll reach out and join me there if you like the show or if you've got suggestions. Now, how did this all start? What is this? Well, a friend of mine uh, who is going to be editing this, and it will be heretofore, just like on my website, known as the management uh, and the process of uh, sports betting that we've done casually over the years, challenged me to write about soccer, a sport that we knew nothing about for an entire year, every single day, soccernoob.com. Uh, was created from that. The second year of that, and this is the other thing to know about me, I am the sole international journalist for the Isle of Sodor Premier League, spend some of my time over there. Uh, The second year of the website was exclusively dedicated to that. The first year I spent writing satirical articles and the 10 to track, the 10 most interesting matches of a particular week or part of a week that I could find decided that the 10 to track would make its own interesting podcast. It's a little bit more serious than the soccernoob.com website, which is more than a little bit ridiculous, but I'd like to think a lot of fun. Also know that this 10 to track is going to be uh, one of the major pieces to a second podcast that I am starting uh, with my co-host, Person Noob. You want to say hi, Person Noob? Person Noob is my daughter, if anybody could hear that. She is eight. And what is the name, uh, do we think, of our show we're going to do together going to be? Well, think about the theme song. Soccer Noob Rockin' America, or maybe Soccer Noob Rocking Planet Earth, or maybe the Soccer Noob Show featuring Person Noob. We shall see, but that's enough about her and me for right now. Let's dive right into the 10 to track matches. Match number one, we are going to earn our frequent flyer miles as we jet set all the way to the Korean Peninsula. South Korea, there's actually an intriguing couple of matchups going on this weekend in K-League 1, South Korea's top league. A little bit about that league. Uh, It is rated by the AFC as the number five league in Asia. And uh, that means quite a bit because really there are uh, six quote-unquote good ones. And then uh, mathematically, there's a pretty steep drop-off in apparent quality. So this is one of the best leagues in Asia and by quite a bit. Um, As such, they earn uh, two two berths into the AFC Champions League group stage. And then uh, the next two eligible teams also go to the Champions League, but they go to a playoff round that will, of course, precede the group stage. 
So finish is going to mean a lot. Things are getting very dramatic. They are reaching the end of their season. Um, this year, they changed their format a little bit. They uh, had uh, 22 regular season games, and then they uh, broke up into a championship and challenger divisions. Uh, the top ones are in the championship, as you might imagine, and they have three matches to go. And uh, in particular for these two teams, it's going to be very exciting. Uh, the number one team is uh, Ulsan Hyundai, and they're playing uh, the fourth-rated team, Sangju Sangmu. And let me apologize in advance for any and all inadvertent mispronunciations that I do with these or any other teams. I am noob. There is a reason. <laughs> Uh, so what do, we, uh, what, do, what do we know about these teams? What's going to be interesting about them? Well, it is getting dramatic for Ulsan as they are tied right now uh, with Gianbach Hyundai. So very good year for the Hyundai sponsor teams, it appears. Uh, they have the best defense in the league by a little bit, and they have the best offense by a whole bunch. It's hard not to say that these are going to be uh, your likely winners of the league, not that Gianbach uh, won't put up a fight. Uh, Ulsan, they are the Tigers. Uh, last year, they finished in second place in the league. They last won the K-League 1 in uh, 2005. And even though they only finished second place in the league, they did qualify for the AFC Champions League in 2012 and won the whole darn thing. Uh, probably largely on the back of this, at least according to one particular website that I use, Soccer Database, uh, this is one of the top uh, 30 leagues historically in all of Asia. Uh, not as much so for our number four team, but there's a pretty good reason. This is a club that changes personnel uh, probably more than just about any other club anywhere in the world. Sangju is where they're located, and Sangmu actually is, um, in their language, means martialism. This is a military team. Uh, eligible males have to do two compulsory years in the South Korean Army or perhaps other military branches, and so there's a lot of turnover with the Firebirds, that being their nickname. So what happens is that a lot of their players, maybe even all of their players, are actually team, young players um, who are already in the football system in the country, have been playing for other clubs. They have to go into the military just the same, and then they play for this team for two years and then go back out and probably, for the most part, continue their uh, footy careers. Another interesting fact with this team is that starting next year, they are no longer going to be Sangju Sangmu. They are moving out of Sangju, I believe... The name of the town starts with a G, and I am suddenly blanking on it. Um, Ginchion, and I'm probably mispronouncing that badly. Um, so uh, because they are switching cities, at least I presume this is the primary reason, they are actually, regardless of their finish this year, going to be relegated to uh, uh, K-League 2, the second division in South Korea. Currently, they are in fourth place, and uh, they must be winning a lot of close games to be very well disciplined because they actually have a negative uh, goal differential. Um, they've been playing a lot of small ball, so to speak. Uh, you know, think military academies in the U.S. playing football. might uh, They might feel like they're outgunned by Division One scholarship teams, and so they play everything close to the vest. This team does not have a particularly good offense, but their defense is pretty solid because they've been winning a lot of close games. Also, as a side note, 
um, because there are only six teams in uh, the championship division, number one, GM, uh, GMBach Hyundai does have a really good matchup this weekend. They are playing third place uh, Pohang Steelers. Pohang is very unlikely to break into the top two, but they are hoping to stay in the top, in this case, five, because of the military team not being eligible for Asian competitions. Uh, they are hoping to maintain, at the very least, a playoff berth in next year's Champions League in Asia. And that is your match number one. Match number two, we're going to spend those frequent flyer miles that we just earned getting back to the U.S. I know I'd be said I'd be traveling the world over, but sometimes there is no place like home. And Major League Soccer here in the U.S. is entering roughly its last, uh, its final month of the season, so things are getting exciting. Uh, this year, the format they are having an 18-team expanded playoff this year, so. A whole bunch of teams are going to be facing some high drama this year, trying to sneak into some of those last spots. But that's not what we're going to be focusing on today. Match number two involves two teams that are currently more or less tied for second place in the Eastern Conference, which is the stronger of the two conferences in Major League Soccer. And that is going to be Toronto hosting Philadelphia. Uh, the two teams are only two points behind Columbus currently, so both have their eyes on the Eastern Conference title. And uh, really, fourth place Orlando is probably the only threat. Uh, the other teams are a little bit too far back to catch them in any likelihood. Toronto is the defending conference champion. Both teams have really, really strong offenses. Uh, Toronto's largely led by uh, U.S. Super Soccer star Michael Bradley. Philadelphia, uh, they also have a very, very good offense. They would be the favorite in Philadelphia easily because they do have the stronger defense. But on the road in Canada, it's hard to say. Maybe we should learn a bit, little bit more about the Philadelphia Union or visiting team. And here to help us with that is a longtime soccer friend, uh, Dave Knittel of uh, Bros Talking Soccer podcast and the Soccer Tavern website, which is a lot of fun. And I encourage you to visit if you like exploring club histories from uh, anywhere in the world. Uh, please, with your Philadelphia match preview, take it away, Dave. What's up, everyone? This is Dave Knittel, one of Soccer News' biggest and oldest fans. I am here with a quick preview of the Toronto FC versus Philadelphia Union match for this weekend. So the Union are my team. They're my hometown team, the team I support. They have been on a roll this year, uh, led by Brendan Aronson in the midfield, Casper Shabilko scoring goals up top, and Mark McKenzie, uh, center back, holding things down. Uh, I know the Union much better than I know Toronto FC, so I'll focus on them. Starting with the back, you got Andre Blake in goal, one of the best shot stoppers in the league, but he is a little bit shaky with his distribution out of the back, so that's something to keep an eye on. Really great at claiming crosses though and so uh, he's really good on that front both of the union center backs are very good with the ball at their feet and distribution so look for long balls over the top from either McKenzie and whether it's Jake Elliott or, or excuse me Jack Elliott or uh, Jakob Glesnes they are both good hopefully Kai Wagner is on the left and on the right will probably be Ray Gaddis or if not it's going to be Olivier Mbizo um, Mbizo offers more going forward. Ray is better defensively. And Kai is is 
one of the best left backs in MLS. Getting into the midfield, it would probably be Josue Martinez, a combative center midfielder who is relatively good on the ball as well. So he's he's been very good for the Union. And Ali Bedoya and Jamiro Montero are the two other center midfielders. And Brendan Aronson is the attacking midfield. The Union play a diamond there. Up top will probably be Casper Shabilko, and my guess would be Sergio Santos if he can stay healthy. Santos offers a ton going forward, but he just can't stay healthy. He's got a ton of speed, and fitness just always seems to be an issue for him. Casper is great with the ball at his feet from a, a big man perspective, but he, he drifts a little bit too much and want him in, in front of goal a little bit more. On the TFC side, again, I haven't been following them quite as much, but they're neck and neck with the Union this year. I think Michael Bradley might be back for this game. He might still be in. Injured, uh, you know they still got uh, Osorio and and all the players from their title runs. So you know experience is always valuable in soccer, and so uh, should be a really good game. I don't even know where it where it's been playing. My my soccer knowledge has been slacking these last few months as I've had uh, other focus in life, but. Um, yeah, game should be great. I hope everyone is enjoying this podcast. I know I'm excited to tune in and see what Soccer Noob has been doing. So have a great day and go Union. Match number three. Let's head back out to Asia. More frequent flyer miles for everyone. Uh, this event is one that you may or may not have ever heard of. It's called the Hong Kong Senior Shield. It's not the Hong Kong Premier League, nor is it the Hong Kong FA Cup. This is more the equivalent of a League Cup as most years. Uh, the only eligible teams are the ones from the Hong Kong Premier League, but it is a knockout tournament. Uh, to that end, actually, it is also the uh, oldest interclub knockout tournament in all of Asia, one of the reasons it caught my eye. But mostly it caught my eye because I consider changing the name of this whole thing to Soccer Squirrel because I just have my eye out for shiny things. And the Hong Kong Senior Shield is having its title match on Friday night. It's going to feature uh, Eastern and Lee Man FC. Now, uh, Eastern is currently a second as they're only about eight games into the Hong Kong Premier League, and Lee Man is having a pretty good year. They are in fourth. Uh, it may not be the most exciting match in the world to attend if they are allowing them to attend over there. Uh, Eastern uh, is very good, one of the perennial plowers, and they do tend to play small ball, very big on the defense. Hard to know what to expect from Lee Mann because um, in the last full season of the Hong Kong Premier League, they actually uh, finished ninth and should have been relegated. Uh, that it has 10 teams and two get relegated every year to the second division in Hong Kong. Uh, but there, uh, there's a club called Dreams FC that decided, uh, even though they finished eighth and didn't have to relegate, uh, they self-relegated because of a lack of funds. Apparently much cheaper to play in the second division, don't have to pay as many fees or something. So expect a low-scoring game in this one. And uh, here's to hoping that Lee Man can pull the upset because those are always fun. Hope you're not someone who experiences jet lag very easily because we're going to fly halfway around the world once again back to the United States for match number four where we go to the second tier division in the U.S., the U, uh, USL Championship where the Phoenix Rising will take on LA Galaxy 2. That's LA Galaxy's reserve side. Playoffs are going to be starting on October 9th for this league, so high drama is getting ready to happen here. Now, in a way, not necessarily for these two teams as uh, 
in their small groups of four or five, these two are already at the top and have already secured uh, places of advancement, berths into the knockout playoffs. Phoenix Rising won the group and LA, uh, LA Galaxy 2 finished second. Uh, what makes this an interesting match to watch or pay attention to, unfortunately, has to do with Phoenix Rising, and it's not precisely their play on the field. Uh, they just within the last few days had a game against the Landon Donovan-led San Diego Loyal, who was looking like they could, with a win, perhaps be on their way to securing uh a playoff berth of their own, but they walked off the field at halftime because one of their players, who is the only, I believe, uh, the only openly uh, gay player in uh, professional football, at least in the U.S., had a slur, presumably or allegedly, I should say, used against him by one of the uh, Phoenix Rising players. That is still being investigated, but uh, the player, it looks like, is going to be held out of competition. It also appears that the coach may be out of a job. He is suspended, or perhaps they're saying on administrative leave right now, although they're saying that it's not based on anything that happened in that particular game, which... Seems surprising and has a whiff of implausibility to it, but that is what they are saying. Um, Phoenix Rising is going to be um, in decent shape as they head the playoffs, getting a number one seed. They will be playing uh, the Sacramento uh, Republic, a team that uh, it's a little bit surprising that they're there. They've got really, for amongst the good teams in the USL Championship, they don't have much of any offense. Uh, LA Galaxy 2. Uh, they will be playing uh, Reno 1868. Uh, this is a feature that will appear a little bit later in this segment, but look for this one as a candidate for what I'm going to call the route of the week because uh, Galaxy can't defend to save their lives. It's stunning that they're going to be making the championship playoffs, in my opinion. And Reno 1868, they score like it is going out of style so next week that could be my route, route of, the, of week. the week echo sound, echo sound effect. effect be sure to pay attention for that and uh regardless of what you think about what's going on with phoenix rising and their current scandal so to speak i would look for them to uh, uh pretty good and house uh la galaxy uh two reserves Match five, we get to Globetrot again, although not quite as far as Asia nearly this time. Uh, you'll want to dress a little bit warmly for this particular excursion as we are heading to Fenland, the place where I want to be. Thank you, Monty Python fans. Uh, it is the final of the Finnish Cup, and where there is a trophy, where there is something that shines, you will often find noob. I love cup finals. This particular one looks interesting. It looks like a burial urn with big ear handles, but it's shiny, and so we're still going to talk about it a little bit. Uh, the final is going to, and it's not going to be at a neutral site. It's going to be hosted by... Uh, Enter Turku, and they will be facing uh, super perennial power HJK or HJK Helsinki. They are the number one team in the Vikosliga, the number one league in all of Finland. Enter Turku is right up near the top as well. I believe they are third. Enter uh, Turku, they're pretty good. They're a very balanced team. They've got decent offense. Uh, decent defense, but uh, home or not, HJK Helsinki, uh, they are scoring like an absolute house of fire this year. 
despite that fact, they may not be winning the league. They, uh, they're well up on second place, uh, KUPS, but strangely they, uh, KUPS has three games in hand, so they could be catching up to them in the league. Um, as far as this particular match, the cup final, there is some good history here. Two years ago, the two teams played and Inter Tucro actually won that game one nil. So we've got some recent history that, uh, faces Inter Turku. And that is what we've got for match number five. Hi, I'm Person Noob of Soccer Noob Rockin' America. Just before next weekend, my dad and I will release our very first podcast together. It will have the world soccer match talk you're getting on this shorter show. Stuff on MLS and other American leagues. A great U.S. club profile, maybe even an interview, all in Soccer News crazy style like his website has. More importantly, you'll get me. I'll talk with the mighty soccer seer, Noob Shradonis. Plus, do my person, Noob, sandwich review segment when I do just that. Tell you about the, a sandwich that I will eat. I may even help with his Isle of Sodor premiere season preview, and I'll definitely help out, rock out with, on the show theme song. Person Noob, out! Match number six, we head west to jolly old England for an FA Cup match. Certainly not a final. This is only the second qualifying round, but it caught my eye because we have a minnow. In fact, there are two teams from the 10th level of the English football pyramid that are still alive and one of them caught my eye because they're from the southwest of England a place where I believe my paternal ancestors are from we have a Cornish team Salt Ash FC that is still alive they are playing out of the southwest uh, yes the southwest peninsula league west division (laughs) got confused with the uh idea of West there. Uh, Not that they're probably allowing a lot of people in, but just to give kind of a picture of what things are like, uh, this place only seats, uh, their home ground only seats about 3,000. They will be hosting Shoaling FC that comes from the eighth level of the English pyramid. Uh, This also caught my eye just because I know in Cornwall that uh, association football, soccer, is not the most popular sport. Rugby is by far away the most popular sport. Cornwall is also, as a side note, home to a style of wrestling that is similar to Breton wrestling, and it is the only place in the world where it is practiced, and they also have a game called hurling, which is very exclusive to Cornwall. So lots of different sports to enjoy down there, and we're hoping that Salt Ash as a minnow can survive. They are currently sixth place in their league, but we're hoping that they can get to the third of the four qualifying rounds, and who knows, maybe even enter the group stage of the FA Cup in England. For match number seven, we head back to Asia once again, not quite so far east as our other two times. Uh, We're headed to Qatar, the neutral site for the AFC Champions League this year. We have the Eastern semifinal going on, Al Nasir. I should say Western, rather, but regardless, it is Al Nasir and Persepolis. Al Nasir, uh, which means victory 
in Arabic. Uh, I'm sure they're hoping, obviously, that they can live up to their name. Uh, in a moment, you'll see why that's not necessarily likely. Uh, they hail, hail out of the Saudi Pro League, which is the number four rated league in the AFC, but they are playing the most popular and perhaps mightiest club in all of Asia, the Iranian team Persepolis. It's only the number six league in Asia, and it's probably almost exclusively on the back of Persepolis's historical success. Hard not to count them as the favorite virtually any time. Uh, they did have the slightly easier path to get to this game as they only had to beat an Uzbek team, uh, Pak Takor, I'm going to pronounce it, which is the number 10 uh, has the number 10 Premier League uh, rated league in all of Asia. A little bit historically, Al Nasir was the runners-up for this event in 1995. They were their league's runner-up the last time they played. Their new season hasn't started yet. Uh, meanwhile, Persepolis, as you might has uh, imagine, has probably won a million years in a row. And they, in fact, won this, the Champions League, just two years ago. So all eyes on Persepolis for the semifinal. Then you won't get to see them again for a while because for some reason they are way ahead of their Eastern counterparts. They're only two out of six matches, roughly, into their group stage. So I believe we're not going to see uh, the uh, end of the tournament until, I want to say, uh, mid-December is what I saw. But in any event, should be or could be an exciting semifinal. For match number eight, we head back to uh, North America, or at least to CONCACAF land, to the British Virgin Islands. Why the British Virgin Islands? Well, why not? It sounds warm, and who wouldn't want to go there? So we'll at least pretend in our minds. This is the representative of all the one versus two matchups. There were probably 15 or 20 of them this week, but we had a lot of other matches to look at. So I just picked one of the one versus two domestic league ones, even if it is a kind of lesser uh, known, less respective league, like a small one like uh, the British Virgin Islands. In fact, the winners of various CONCACAF or Caribbean CONCACAF leagues, they get to go to two different postseasons. One is for professional teams, and the other one is for countries whose leagues are not yet professional. And that is where we find the British Virgin Islands. So they will uh, qualify, the league's winner will qualify for the Con CONCACAF uh, club Shield Tournament as opposed to the CONCACAF Club Championship Tournament, although that still leaves them a route into uh, one of the more major tournaments, I believe, the Champions League, but it might be a different one. Regardless, let's look at our two teams. It is Islanders FC versus a team that I am not sure how to pronounce. W-O-L-U-E-S. Wolways? Could it be a French influence? You might have a number of guesses, but I actually looked it up, and it turns out the name of the club is based on a historical typo. When I first saw it, I had to go check two or three other places because I thought, that should say wolves. Somebody can't type. Well, whether it was uh, typing or handwritten, it was a historical typo that should have been wolves that led to it being, uh, let's pronounce it Wolways just for fun. Uh, regardless, I said, as I said, this is a number one versus number two matchup. The number one Islanders are getting to host it. Uh, they were first in 2018. They managed to win the league. Uh, they have the best defense. We'll be looking to play small ball at home. Uh, your, let's call them Wolves, just to make things simpler. Uh, they historically are a team uh, that's kind of interesting. They're mostly British and Irish expats historically. Now, I did look at their uh, first-team squad, and they still do have some of that influence. Though they do have a lot of homegrown players, it appears, and some from other places in the Caribbean, like uh, Jamaica. They finished fourth the last time this league played, uh, 2018, and they're a very, very well-balanced 
Uh, perhaps more importantly, what these two teams will have in mind is how the last game went. When the Wolves were host, they walloped Islanders FC 5-1. to So... It'll be interesting to see if Islanders can get some revenge and maintain their stranglehold on the number one spot in the Premier League in the British Virgin Islands. Match number nine for the first time sees us in the Southern Hemisphere as we head to South America for a match between Uruguay and Chile. The occasion is for these national teams that it is the start of the South American Federation's World Cup qualification that is Conmebol. This is the very first game between the for either of the two teams. Uh, they are going to be playing a double round robin in South America, so everybody will get 18 games. The uh, top four teams will automatically qualify for the 2022 World Cup. The fifth place team will uh, also get a playoff spot of sorts. They have to play an interconfederation match. Uh, with I believe it's a team out of uh, out of Oceania. So basically, whoever finishes fifth in South America gets to go uh, kick the you know what out of uh, New Zealand for a spot in the World Cup. What's interesting about this particular match, and the reason I chose it, is because Chile was one of the best world teams to not get into the 2018 World Cup. So all eyes are going to be on them to see if they can exact some revenge and get in. Uruguay went in as the number two seed or the, the second place team from the Combo Bowl qualification in 2018. And they actually made it all the way to the knockout stage and the quarterfinals before eventually falling to France. So not much else to say about this particular match since this event is just getting going, but it will be interesting to see what Chile can do. Last and perhaps not least, but maybe least, I'll leave that to your judgment, is our match number 10 as we head northwards and back to Europe for the UEFA Nations League. The Nations League, this is in its second year, and for the uninitiated, it is an international tournament for uh, the men's teams that has been created. It is basically supposed to be replacing the international friendlies that would normally be happening in this part of the, uh, the, ca the annual calendar. Uh, apparently, a lot of uh, teams were complaining that they just weren't getting a very high, high caliber of competition competing in just friendlies. So by having this tournament, everybody sees that the stakes are up and plays more starters and tries a fair bit higher. The Nations League has provided an avenue also into the European Championships, which then in turn, of course, is an avenue to World Cup qualification. Uh, what's going on right now that I find most interesting is a little four-team playoff based on last year's results. So, Four of the best teams from this year's UEFA Nations League's groups that didn't get in, but uh, did what, and then based on their group work last year, get to play in a four-team playoff for one last spot in the in the upcoming European Championships. Now the odds of them actually getting any further than the championships or winning very much of anything in the championships is pretty slim, but it's still fun to see. This particular match involves two of the smallest teams from UEFA. The number 52-ranked Kosovo men's national team will play the number 39-ranked North Macedonia team. Uh, 
Not a whole lot to say about this one, but it's always fun to track minnows. And here, if one of these two teams is the one that can qualify for the Euros out of this semifinal and then win the final against either Belarus or I don't even remember the other team, well, won't that be fun? But guess what, New Bites? That's not going to be all. Just because we've completed the official 10 to track doesn't mean that we are contractually bound to stop necessarily with that number. Let's head off for two little bonus segment matches. The first one of which is one I referenced earlier called Route, Route of, of the, the Week. week. I leave it to the management as to whether or not we get an echo sound effect in there. There were a lot of first versus last place matches throughout the world. I think I found eight or nine, but I thought, why not stay home in Murica for this particular one? In the USL League One, that is the level right below the championship, the third tier here in the United States. This weekend, we find Greenville Triumph out of South Carolina facing off against the reserves of... Uh, Orlando City. Orlando City is a major league soccer team. Their reserve team, the B team, plays in League One, and apparently they are in well over their heads. Now, first, Greenville, they are tied for the best offense in the entire league, and their defense is even more sensational. They are going to run absolutely roughshod over Orlando B. They finished uh, third place in the regular season last year, and then in a 14 playoff made it to the final before you losing to uh, the, the eventual champion, of course, uh, North Texas FC. This particular year, Greenville is in first, and they only have three real contenders uh, for the second spot. None of them are going to catch them for a regular season first place. Uh, this year, there will only be two teams in that league's championship final. Main contenders for the other spot will be the Richmond Kickers, Union Omaha, and the Chattanooga Red Wolves. As for Orlando B, well, as the management once preached to me long, long ago for SoccerNoob.com, and that I have taken heart ever since... No good whatsoever can come from building a city on a swamp. And of course, Orlando is just a city on a swamp built by mice men. They just had to lay 29,000 people or something like that off at Disney. The bad news is just always happening where you get bad urban planning. More to the point for the soccer, this team is not only in last place, but they have only scored half as many points as the next worst team in the league, and they have given up nearly 40 goals, which is flirting with a three-game-per-goal average. They are woeful, and they are going to get routed mightily. Whether or not you find that sort of thing fun to watch, and if you can find it online to watch, is uh, both up to you, but this should be one of the biggest blowouts literally on the entire globe. In our second and final match of this first broadcast of my weekly world match previews, we have what I have decided for the moment we will call the match of Herculean disappointment. Now in the future at this stage, for those who are old enough to remember, um, there was a very famous audio meme, if you will, of Kevin Sorbo in the 90s series Hercules the Legendary Journeys playing an alternate universe version of himself that was evil called the Sovereign who at one point imitating Kevin Klein's character in a way in A Fish Called Wanda simply yells disappointed. Wait a minute. This isn't my world. Disappointed! 
So Herculean disappointment. Now, what is that going, this going to mean? Here is a match where, unlike the route of the week, we have a first place and a last place. This time, you just get two of the worst teams in any given league on the globe facing off. Hopefully, at some point, the management will be able to put in the audio of Kevin Sorbo doing that. I make many demands of the management. Disappointed! We stay in America for this one, and my apologies to my uh, acquaintances over at uh, the broadcast, the podcast MLS After Dark, as they are big Quakes fans. But we are going to the Western Conference of Major League Soccer. Last place, San Jose is playing LA Galaxy that have been incredibly disappointing in both, just all phases of the game. Um, I made reference to 39 goals in the route of the week. I may have been uh, for uh, the last place team from the route of the week match, Orlando B. I may have been thinking of San Jose. They have given up a staggering 39 goals and only scored 19. Now, actually, the 19 is not that horrible, especially for second, uh, you know, second-tier teams in that Western Conference. But the defense is just beyond dreadful. Meanwhile, you've got the LA Galaxy, who are the second worst team in the West. Now, actually, they're uh, oh, in the overall table. They're only 20th out of the 26 major league teams, and they've only got a negative five goal differential. So I don't know if they've just been unlucky or if they have not had the discipline and or luck just to pull out any close games. But they have certainly showed that they can stay in a lot of games. Now, San Jose, while being the dreadfully worst team, actually has a little bit of hope to go on. In their last match, they beat a very middling LAFC team. More, they actually did it in Los Angeles by a 1-2 to score. Meanwhile, unfortunately, LA Galaxy, this is where things turn a little bit worse for you guys. They haven't earned any points in the table since a 3-0 win a month ago, also over LAFC, but that time it was in their own home stadium. And the last time they got any sort of point between then and now was a 0-0, presumably boring as all get out tie with, you guessed it, San Jose. So this is your Herculean match of disappointed and we'll wrap up this week's uh, tend to track weekly world preview matches. Thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate you uh, giving a listen if you made it this far to this uh, rough draft by the management and I. Look forward to doing this again next week for a week's worth of matches and hopefully having the time to put in for the what I'm intending to be the parent broadcast uh, pod, which will be Soccer Noob Rock in America. Featuring Person Noob. You want to say hi one more time, Person Noob? Hello. Hi, I saw you looking up on your World Globe uh, stuff. Uh, did you find Uruguay or Chile? Were they both everything you hoped and dreamed? No. No? Well, maybe we'll try to make it more interesting you uh, for you when we do Soccer Noob Rockin' America. Something random. My dad brought Taco Bell home, and that's what Yes, more than soccer, she apparently loves tacos and cinnamon crustos, although it was from a franchise called Taco Tico that is not paying for the sponsorship, nor is Taco Bell. Nevertheless, uh, to all the taco makers across the world, soccer-related and otherwise, thank you so much for what you do. Twitter at AmericanSoccerNoob.com. Check out 
or at American Soccer Noob and then SoccerNoob.com to see hopefully some updates soon on the two new podcasts. Thanks and have a great day wherever in the world you are.